Hello and welcome to this week's of Photographic Life. I was going to start talking about one particular subject and that changed when I heard of the uh, death of John Saveni, a photographer based in Mexico City and a previous contributor to this podcast. In fact, if you go back all the way to episode 49, which I recommend you do, you can hear John explaining what photography means to him in just over five minutes. So instead of starting with what we were going to start with this week, I'm starting with, I suppose in a way, a remembrance of John and a recommendation that you should check out his work on his website. That's John Saveni, and that's S-E-V-I-G-N-Y dot org. Without a shadow of a doubt, rest in power. This week I want to talk about education, learning, ways we learn, how we learn, the ways in which we improve our photography, we engage fully with our photography. And I saw a piece of writing, a comment actually, by another previous contributor to the podcast, uh, photographer Jenny Lewis, based in London. And she wrote this, and I thought it was well worth sharing with you. She wrote it on her own Facebook page, as it happens. So Jenny said this, I always say to students, you gradually build up your visual language with everything that you see. You're never not gathering. It's literally impossible not to absorb the world around you. You're constantly archiving the stuff you are drawn to in a part of your brain, in some mental labyrinth filing system that will be unique to you. Images you have seen whilst wandering in books, films, magazines, exhibitions, nostalgic childhood memories, the everyday, in dreams and in your imagination. It's all rich pickings for your archive, and you almost have no control what is discarded and what is selected for keeps. Thousands of billions of images that you have decided it's worth holding on to, and that is your own visual language that continues to build and evolve. No one will have selected the same as you. These images seep into the way we make images. It's your raw material, ripples of the actual thing, a bit of colour, a bit of a composition, an angle, a feeling. I don't think I could put the idea of learning photography any better than that. But also I would say that we're all students, whatever age we are. Over the past week, I've been going through the process of validation of a new Masters of Arts uh, degree, a one-year degree online only in professional photography uh, at Oxford Brookes University. I don't believe you're ever too late to learn. And a lot of people, I think, have issues around the idea of being within that kind of formal setting of a university. But I'd like to just give you a little bit of background to that course, um, because I think it might be of interest to you if you listen to this podcast. So you may think there is no need for yet another photography course. But I think I'm here to say that um, this one I've written is different. I know you've probably heard that before, but please let me explain why I feel that uh, it is and uh, based on fact rather than marketing hyperbole. 
I devised and wrote the course, and I'll be leading it at Oxford Brookes University, so I guess I'm the best person to explain it to you. Let's start with a title. The word professional is carefully chosen, not to suggest that this is a course only for those who want to be or are professional photographers, but to identify it as being career-focused within a broad understanding of the creative industries. And if you listen to this podcast, you'll understand what I mean by that. We will teach photography as a visual language that fosters numerous transferable skills alongside the development of your professional photographic practice. Many other courses will claim to have the same intention, so you're quite right to ask me what makes this one different. Well, you'll only be taught by currently working photographers, art directors, editors, curators, writers and creatives from a broad range of backgrounds and locales. These will form an international teaching team. This Masters of Arts is a course that recognises the importance of hearing from those who are currently engaged in all aspects of photography. So you will hear from them every week and you will study professional practice in depth over two semesters. It's an online course only, so you can make work wherever you live, stay in your home and keep working if you wish. It's going to be taken on a full-time, one-year basis or a two-year part-time basis. You can choose whichever one suits you best. And I know that a lot of you may be mature students with full-time or part-time employment, so uh, the part-time option might work well for you. Perhaps most importantly, you can set your own creative agenda from the moment you join and choose what you want to photograph, how you want to place your work, and you can set your own expectations. We're not only focused on art practice or documentary. We will embrace every area of the medium, from food to fashion, from music to architecture, from sports to social documentary, and of course everything in between and alongside. You will choose what you want to get from the course. It's a course with academic rigour, and it has to be because it's a master's programme. But you will not feel intimidated, I promise, or lost amongst a mountain of academic writing. You will have to write essays, but they will be connected to your interests. They should be about what you are interested in. All I ask is that you bring your enthusiasm, your passion and inquisitive nature. If you're interested, then drop me an email to find out more at gscott at brooks, with an E-S, that's brooks, B-R-O-O-K-E-S, dot A-C, dot U-K. And interviews will begin in January 2024. I hope this didn't sound like too much of an advert, but I guess it is in a way. But it's an advert for a product, or for a a service, or for uh, something to get involved in. That I really believe in. And I think if you listen to this podcast, it's going to work for you also. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to him in less than five minutes, Robin Weaver. A 1970s travelling exhibition in Cardiff of photographs by Henri Cartier-Bresson made Robin Weaver want to be a documentary photographer. He completed a three-year course at Newport College of Art and then joined the South Wales Argus newspaper as a trainee press photographer. After six years, he broadened his horizons, travelling to the USA and Australia, where he worked for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Australian. On returning to England, he again worked for newspapers in Kent, Hampshire and Derbyshire. 
However, the landscape of Derbyshire inspired him to take his photography in another direction. Now, retired from newspapers, he continues to make work and photograph that which inspires him, working with his wife, writer Helen Wurren, producing travel articles for magazines and newspapers. Café Royal Books have published two books of his work of South Wales in the 1970s and South Wales Summer Carnivals, also created during the 1970s. In addition, he has self-published two books of his work titled A Different Country and Snappers. Hello, I'm Robin Weaver and I'm going to attempt to answer the question, what does photography mean to me? Now, in the early 1970s, while studying photography at Newport College of Art in South Wales, I went to see an exhibition by Henri Cartier-Bresson in Cardiff. I was transfixed. It was a revelation to me how he photographed everyday life in the street, and his photographs inspired me to concentrate on documentary photography myself. When I finished my course, I got a job as a trainee news photographer on the local evening newspaper, the South Wales Argus. Those early days were exciting. I was taking photographs every day and being paid. What could be better than that? Some events were important national news stories. Many were only of local interest. The minutiae of life in Newport and the South Wales Valleys. So, photography was a job which was interesting most of the time and always challenging if you wanted to try to create something different. But photography was always a lot more than a job to me. I always felt driven to take photographs, whether being paid or not. So I took photographs for myself when I wasn't working. And even when I was working, I had my trusty little Leica M4 tucked away in a corner of my camera bag to record those moments which didn't meet the brief, but which nevertheless interested me. So what does photography really mean to me? Well, to answer that question, I think I'll have to go back to my childhood and talk about what inspired my interest in photography and then ultimately to take it up seriously in my teens. I was about seven or eight years old when I had my first inkling of the magic of photography and the power it could have. I never knew my paternal grandfather. He died quite young and the only photograph I remember of him was as a young man, probably taken in the 1920s. He was a keen amateur photographer and in the photograph he has lots of negatives in frames from which he is making sunlight prints. The frames are propped up in his sunny back garden. The process produced lovely sepia-toned gelatine silver images on what was called printing out paper. Anyway, his photographs lived on beyond him and I would see them around the house and marvel at the glimpses they gave me into another time. Seeing these images was my initial spur to get my own camera, which I did in my teens. It wasn't long before I was developing and printing my own photographs too, which didn't particularly endear me to my mother when I took over the bathroom, inevitably leaving chemical stains on the bath. The magic of photography to me was the ability to capture a moment that would live on in a print. I document what is, it's as straightforward as that. In photographing the here and now, what seems ordinary, I strive to create photographs that over time may become extraordinary. My personal photographs of South Wales in the 1970s lay in undisturbed boxes and files for a long time. In the early 2000s, I started to scan my old negatives with a view to publishing them in a book. 
I tried to get some published in magazines in the 70s, but with no success. However, I was convinced they had merit and I wanted to share them. After all, what is the point of taking photographs if nobody sees them? After three decades, I felt the photographs had begun to look nostalgic, historic even. I knew that South Wales had become a very different place and I hoped that people would now be more interested in them. I self-published the book, A Different Country, and the Western Mail in Cardiff, along with the South Wales Argus in Newport, printed articles which helped to kickstart some interest. I was delighted when it started to sell. Since then, I began to publicise the book and my photographs on Twitter and Instagram. My Welsh images in particular seem to be much loved. People started to buy prints from me and Paul Wright at the British Cultural Archive featured my work and started to sell a selection of prints. Café Royal Books also published two books on my work. To me, what photography does best is record what is and what was. I've never been very interested in photographs designed to say more about the photographer than the world around them. Maybe there's a place for that, so I don't knock it. It just isn't for me. I still take lots of photographs, and as I said before, I'm drawn to photographing ordinary life. I like to imagine what is going to change in the future. What will become interesting? That is the challenge. But it's important, I think, to make photographs that are not just straight records. Composition and the right moment are vital. The best photographs have a sort of poetry about them, I think. Life is chaos, but sometimes in the camera viewfinder, elements in this chaotic world can come together, like a ballet, to make magic. This is what I strive for. Thank you, Robin, for your contribution this week. I think we're all striving for that. I love that idea of what was and what is. Kind of reminds me of uh, that recent Beatles single, Now and Then. I suppose that's exactly what Robin's talking about. Anyway, as always, if you're not aware of Robin's work, check out his website, pop him into Google, see if you can get hold of those Cafe Raw books or maybe buy a couple of books direct from him. Supporting the archive is so important. I also think what Robin's doing there, which is something we've spoken about on a number of occasions on the podcast, is kind of reflecting on your archive and recognising its importance. And he's actually turning it into, I suppose, in a way, a renaissance for that work, which is always good to see. And funnily enough, talking about that, uh, one of the other previous uh, contributors to the podcast, Uh, Bill Stevenson, who we uh, had on a few weeks ago, Uh, I'm actually working with him on some of his images from his archive for an exhibition that will be uh, going ahead uh, in the spring of 2024. Uh, Just a small project that was on his website that had a particular kind of connection for me. So I took it forward and it's going to happen. Just goes to show how uh, simple ideas can often be the best. One of the ways in which I suppose I learn about photography is by photo sketching. What I mean by that is I uh, use my phone just to take pictures of the everyday, as Robin was describing there. But invariably I use it sketching. I'm looking at composition, form, light, textures, juxtapositions. Uh, And I've been spending a lot of time recently, as my youngest daughter has just started high school, waiting around either in the car for her or um, just in general, I suppose, as you do for teenage um, children, waiting around for them. 
And so I started taking a few pictures, which I've hashtagged uh, waiting and photo sketching on the UN of Photo Instagram. Nothing special about the pictures at all. No intention for them to be special. I just enjoy doing something whilst I'm waiting. Well, last week she had a suspected appendicitis. It's obviously quite serious. So we rushed off to the hospital and I found myself sitting in a hospital corridor with many uh, upset, crying, loud children. And I just started to take some photo sketching images in the hospital. Uh, Hashtag them waiting photo sketching. What I wasn't expecting was the outpouring of concern from people who do follow us and on many different platforms as it happens um, asking if everything was okay so it was a fantastic uh, I suppose example of the the warmth of community that can can come through from uh, social media because many of the people who um, express their concern I've never met or I don't know some of course I do but by no means all of them so a big thank you to anybody who did uh, show concern Uh, I think initially people thought it was me um, who was unwell, but obviously it wasn't. Um, I can say that despite the fact that we arrived at the hospital at five o'clock in the evening or the late afternoon, uh, we didn't leave until half past two in the morning, by which time she had been fully checked over and given the all clear. So that was good news. But um, there you go. Maybe we should all be a little bit more careful. I didn't really think about what was happening with those images at all. Um, But there you go. Um, That's what can sometimes happen. So thank you very much to everybody. Uh, This podcast is called A Photographic Life. And my life involves around things like yours do, everyday things. So although I'm involved in putting on exhibitions and writing books, I'm also found in the local hospital A&E, just sitting there and... um, biding time by making images i suppose in a way it just goes to show we can make images wherever we are whenever uh, the situation uh, calls for it regular listeners will know that this is a podcast produced in a shed yes literally a shed if i put my arms out i could touch all four walls it's not one of those very kind of posh kind of offices in the garden kind of a situation i just broadcast from a shed and in the beginning this was very much known as the shed cast and I don't talk about that very often however this week I am because there is a possibility that the shed may be going and it's going to be replaced by one of those kind of architect designs very swish uh, garden offices that I was just saying uh, it isn't recorded in but uh, it certainly won't be for the next few months who knows we might even get a sponsor for that kind of a company to try and fund it I'll see how I do anyway all I do know is over the next week I'm going to take care I hope my youngest daughter takes care and I'm sure you're going to take care also.